Genesis chapter 2, just reading the first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Well, we're looking uh, this evening at just these uh, three verses, just doing a brief study uh, on uh, tonight. And my topic is the origin of the Lord's Day. Where does the Lord's Day uh, come from? Why do we meet uh, every Lord's Day? Is it just a, a habit? Is it just something, a tradition that we've picked up down uh, through the years and something that we just carried on? Something that our fathers uh, did as it were in the past? Is there any biblical basis for what we're doing? And of course, as you know, the answer is an emphatic yes. There is a biblical basis for meeting on the Lord's Day. And it goes, as we see here, all the way back to creation, all the way back to the seventh day. And from that time, God set uh, this uh, in motion. God set this day apart. And since as a day, not only for Christians to remember him and his work of creation and redemption, but for all, everyone. This is meant to be a creation ordinance. Creation ordinance is something that is applicable not only to the believers, but also unbelievers, like marriage. Marriage is also between one man and one woman. We have to say that again today. Uh, marriage is also a creation ordinance, and that is for uh, that is for all time. And same here with the Sabbath day, what was initially the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and then became the Lord's day. So uh, look a little, just briefly, at some, some things tonight. I'm sure a lot of this will be uh, familiar to you, and maybe one or two things uh, will be a little bit different. Uh, but these first three verses really probably uh, actually belong to chapter 1. Uh, probably it would be better placed in chapter 1, and that would nicely complete the creation week. Six days we read about God's activity in chapter 1, and then these three verses are uh, what, what happened on the seventh day. So verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. All creation was finished in just six days. All that was in the heavens and the earth, and we read the host of them. That means the countless number of things that are in them. You remember when it was the first day? Well, if you looked up this, at, this, at the sky, it was bare, it was empty. If you, looked, you could look into space on that day, there was nothing there. But come by the end of the fourth day, well, there was multitude. There was the sun, of course, uh, visible to us, the sun and the moon. But there were countless of stars that God thrust into space, created uh, so many mil billions of stars. And as we said before, stars that are countless, innumerable to us, but God knows each one. And God calls each star by, by her name. So he filled, he populated that empty sky 
with all the, the planets and the stars and what a beautiful sight uh, often it is when we can see it on a clear day. But also the earth, uh, that also was barren, that also had no life. Uh, and it was only on the third day where the vegetation came uh, and then subsequently uh, God populated the sea uh, with multitudes of sea creatures and the skies with birds and the animals, the land animals came, such a multitude of different uh, animals, a host of animals. Suddenly this, that, that land and that earth which, and the sea which had no life in it now is thriving with life. Now it's thriving with activity and these living, moving, breathing creatures on, on every hand. And it must have been a tremendous uh, sight to see. But this was God's doing. And it was all done in just six days. Amazing what God uh, can, uh, can, can do. What can we do, friends? What can we do in, in, uh, when we want to, if we want to erect a building, a building of a great size? Well, man has to take ages to build it. Man has to take at least months, sometimes even years, uh, to erect a building. Uh, if it's going to have a good foundation and it's going to have to last for a while and have a bit of style to it. But it takes ages for it to go up. And then, well, you never know how long that building is going to last. It may last for a good number of years, but any time it may, you know, uh, something may go wrong with it and it may need to be raised to the ground or it just deteriorates over time. The wind and the weather affects the buildings and it needs to be pulled down maybe after 100 or 200 years or something, uh, the things that man builds doesn't last forever. But my point here is in saying this is that what God has created in creation in just six days, right from the very beginning, is still with us today. It still lasts and it will carry on until God says, that's it. Let the earth and the, the heavens be uh, re, uh, refurbished, let it be regenerated, let the fire come and burn it up, and a new heavens and a new earth uh, uh, come in, in its place. This is, uh, this is all in God's hands. And we have today, friends, isn't it? We see uh, the world is, uh, many people, in, especially our younger generation, are panicking about this world. They're panicking, what's going to happen to the world? Oh, climate change is going to ruin everything. Climate change, that even the youngsters, they're being bombarded with this message. And fear is put into them. If you don't do something now, well then, there won't be a planet for you to inhabit in the future. Now we believe, of course, that we have some responsibility. We looked at that last week. We believe in the creation mandate that we have to... We are responsible for this world and the earth to look after it, to look after even the animals, not to mistreat the animals and uh, to look after the land. We believe in that, but we won't go so far as to say uh, that unless we do something, uh, this world is going to uh, collapse and we're going to destroy ourselves. This world is in, in God's hands, not in our own. The trouble uh, with climate change activists is that they uh, leave God out of the picture. And they, they say, well, it's up to us. Man must save the planet. We must save the planet. If we don't do something now, then we're going to destroy ourselves. 
but it's in all that God has made. Well, he will, uh, he will deal with it. He will look after it. He will keep it going. He will sustain it uh, in his own uh, way and time, as he has been doing uh, over the last uh, number of years. Well, in verses 2 and 3, we, we move on to the seventh day. And we read here of, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. Or rather, after God had ended his work, uh, then on the seventh day, because uh, he, he finished his work in six days, we read, on, uh, on the seventh day, God, after God had ended his work which he had made, he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And uh, here uh, we need to explain that word rest. Rest doesn't mean uh, that he needed, he'd lost energy and he needed some uh, refreshing and some revitalizing within because he had expended all that energy in creating the world. That's us. That's me and you again. Oh, friends, we are so weak uh, in, in this area. We have so little energy compared to God, and our energy needs to be uh, resupplied. We need, we need that refreshment that comes through sleep and uh, that re-energizing of our, our physical strength, our mental strength. When we expend, we need, uh, we need it uh, to come up a level again. But uh, we have only such a small drop of it. And in fact, even as we age, we find we have even less of energy to do things compared to when we were in our younger days. At least that's my own experience. And, uh, but God doesn't, God, this is not saying that God gets physically tired. God doesn't get exhausted uh, like we do. He doesn't need a refreshment like we do. Like we do. Uh, he is the God who faints not neither is weary. He has boundless energy, infinite amounts of energy. And so this word doesn't mean, doesn't mean that, but it does mean that God, when it says God rested, it means that he desisted, desisted sorry, from a work. He stopped working. He ceased working. And especially in mind here is his creative work. God ceased from uh, his creative work. It's not saying that God did nothing on the sixth day, uh, that he just sat back and did nothing. But no, it means God stopped his doing any more creative work, but he still had the work of maintaining the world and the heavens uh, which he had just created, of sustaining it and upholding it by his mighty power. And that uh, is the thought uh, here. And it's saying about uh, resting on God, resting on the seventh day. In Exodus 31 and verse 17, we have something additional added. Uh, here, I'll read it to you. Uh, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Uh, that's something extra, refreshed. And the idea, again, is not something physical, but that God looked upon his creation and he looked upon everything that he made in the, in the, in the, in the universe uh, and the earth especially. And he found that it was very good. He took pleasure in what he had made. He delighted in what uh, he saw and in his handiwork. That's the idea. In observing these things, he was uh, refreshed. He was, we could say, thrilled 
uh, in what uh, he saw. And here God is teaching us, uh, uh, the Lord is teaching us by example, even how we are uh, to spend uh, the Lord's uh, day in taking pleasure, just like the Lord did, in stopping from our, our secular work and taking the time to think about God and his work. In this case, initially, it was a creation, but thinking over these things and uh, uh, rejoicing in it, finding a thrill, finding an enjoyment, a pleasure in what God has done. Initially, uh, it was a creation, but then later on, uh, after uh, Egypt, uh, after Israel had been brought out of Egypt in that wonderful way through the hand of Moses by the Lord, of course, and his mighty power. And when God gave the Ten Commandments uh, to, to Moses, this, was, uh, this other subject was appended as a subject for meditation for the people. And that was deliverance, deliverance from uh, Egypt in Deuteronomy 5. And verse 12 to 15, you can read it in your own time, but I read verse 15. Remember, the Lord says to them, that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So they were told very specifically, as well as remembering creation and what God has done, think about the wonderful way in which God has delivered you such mighty miracles don't forget these things such a gracious way in which he has dealt with you and how he he toppled as it were uh, the pharaoh and all those hosts of his that were against you god showed himself strong on behalf of his people to bring them out of egypt out of slavery out of bondage out of a terrible life and to uh, bring them into canaan and that promised land and liberty and freedom and their own land and the enjoyment of those things that were prepared uh, for them. So, uh, and then we, we look forward even further to uh, Calvary and the work of Christ because that's going to be more our subject for the Lord's day. The Lord's, uh, and, uh, after the, resurrect, the, the death and the resurrection of Christ, which really is the best topic of all, isn't it, in terms of, uh, of things to meditate, on the Lord's day, well, uh, this is a, this is something that we should be engaging on and thinking on, uh, in particular, uh, on the Lord's day. Perhaps, perhaps, friends, that is one reason why the Lord's day uh, was changed, why it was moved from Saturday uh, to the seventh day to the first day of the week. Because here in Christ, in that redemption, is something much greater than even creation. And something worth, as it were, God is saying, what, what Christ has done is so wonderful, is so special, it deserves a day of its own, as it were, to, to think on these things. And so the day, I, I think, was one of the reasons why that day may have changed, maybe because of this. And so our Lord's Day, which is now the, the Sunday, the first day of the week, here we think about uh, creation, not just... <laughs> the natural world and how animals move and so forth. But we're seeing God, of course, in, 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 our crea in the creation. We're seeing it reflects his glory. We're seeing his power. We're thinking about that. We're seeing the great wisdom, the infinite wisdom in the, in the order and the structure and even the animal life that is round about. His goodness is, 
we see in it, in providing so much food and things for us to enjoy in life, all those ores and things in the earth for us to uh, draw from and uh, to, to live by, all the knowledge that is even provided in the order so that we can intellectually grow and profit uh, by things. But we see uh, his goodness and his kindness in all uh, creation, but especially in, or in Christ and that plan of redemption. What wisdom was there? What love was there? What kindness was there? What grace was there? The undeserved was, was passed on to us, and we make that a source of our meditation. How we need such refreshment, isn't it? How we need to be look, as the God did on creation, to look and observe all that Christ has done and be thrilled in our hearts with it and to be full of joy uh, at it and to think, well, he did it for us. He did it uh, for us. And that's such a, uh, 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 an encouragement to each one. But then in verse 3, God went a step further and we read, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. God blessed it. It's as it were, he set a special favor upon uh, this day, uh, distinguished it, set it apart uh, as holy, sanctified it. He distinguishes it from the other days of the week. He hasn't blessed any other day. This is the only day that uh, he has blessed and set uh, apart. And friends, in doing this, God is showing to us and to mankind this is how we are to order our week. This is how we are to live our lives uh, on a week-by-week -week basis, making sure that we set aside one day in seven uh, for the Lord, for worship, for meditation, for congregational gathering, uh, gathering together, for congregational uh, worship. This is what, uh, what God is set, uh, setting before us, by his very own example, he's showing us this is how you must frame your life. This is how you must structure your life. Six days you are free, as it were. Of course, every day for the believer is a day of worship. But six days for secular work and one day of the week especially must be set aside for the Lord and for spiritual work and those secular things to be put aside so that we can think and give ourselves uh, to a spiritual activity. The principle is one day of the week in seven. Uh, in, uh, thankfully, we have our, our Sundays free, so we can have freely our Lord's Day. But in some countries, they don't have a free Sunday. In the Arabic countries, uh, the, the, it's a, they have a, a Friday, which is free. So what, what can they do? They cannot meet on a Sunday. Uh, is it, are they obliged to meet on a Sunday? Well, they cannot. It's not possible. But if they're able to meet on the Friday, that's just as good for them in their uh, situation. One day in seven would be uh, the principle. But where we are free, as in this country, we would uh, have it on the first day, on the Lord's Day. So, but it's a, a day not for indolence and inactivity, Sadly, some people think of it a day to do nothing, but a day for worship and also for another kind of activity. Just like God stopped his creative activity but engaged in upholding the world uh, and sustaining it, so also we cease from secular activity and engage in spiritual activity. So that may even mean as well works of mercy or 
and prayer as well as uh, worship. So this is, this is what God is teaching us. And it's in interesting, isn't it, friends, that we, we have this seven-day week uh, right from the very uh, beginning of history. And it's uh, something that man alone thinks in terms of weeks. It's only animals don't think like this. Animals just think from day to day to day uh, where the next food is going to come from. And there is some little bit of planning, uh, but they treat more or less uh, every day the same. Or in some, some ways, you could say they know when to hibernate uh, or they know when to migrate. And maybe that's because of the change uh, in the temperature. But they don't think in terms of weeks, each week after each week and so on, like we do. Uh, but, uh, but, and it's not something that's an instinct, it's not something that we're born with, but here it's something that we've learned, something that we've picked up, something that uh, has been followed right from the very beginning by this example of the creation uh, week. And we have, there is some evidence even in the Bible to suggest that man has always been thinking uh, in weeks. So in Genesis chapter 8, uh, and you remember when the, the floods, the waters began to subside, well, Noah sent out a dove uh, from the ark and it returned. It couldn't find a resting place. And then he waited seven days before sending her out again. And then she returned, this time with an olive leaf uh, in her mouth. And then he waited another seven days uh, before he sent her out again and then she didn't uh, return. So it seems to be in Noah's mind then it must have been also in Genesis 29, we read about Jacob is asked to fulfill Leah's week. You remember what happened? Leah was given to Jacob when he was expecting Rachel. And they were, uh, when he found out, where he was very angry. And uh, Laban, the father, said to Jacob, well, just fulfill her week. Which means just uh, uh, see out the seven days of the marriage festivities. See out that seven days, and then I will give you a Rachel uh, to wife. And that's, uh, what, that's what happened. So it, it's, there is, there is uh, suggestions here uh, that uh, the week uh, was, was very much in people's minds, something that God has put in place. And one more interesting point, and, uh, it's, and I close really with this, and that it's interesting here to note that while this is the seventh day of creation, it was the first full day for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had been uh, created on day six, so they didn't see the full day. They saw a part uh, of, the, of that day. There would have been an existence just for that short part. But their first full day would have been the seventh day, the day when uh, the, the Sabbath day. What were they doing? on that Sabbath day. Well, you cannot imagine, but it doesn't say specifically, but if, if uh, God is, uh, since the Lord is setting the example here, surely he would have been fellowshipping with them, surely he would have been communicating to them and telling them about the previous six days and all that he had done on the previous six uh, days. And he would have been uh, told them how he created those starry heavens and how he created the sun which they could see and the moon which they had seen and must have marveled at that great power of the sun and the plants and the animals that were around them. Well, they would have 
he would have told them these things and then surprised them all by saying, well, all these things were created for you, with you in mind. And you can only imagine how much they marveled at such a thought. You mean all this has been created for us, for our benefit, for our good? Oh, Lord, how good thou art. How wonderful thou art towards us. And that you have given us dominion over all these things and made us in your own image as well. You would have communicated these things to them. And they must have only heard with wonder and amazement and felt overwhelmed and so privileged uh, on this first Sabbath day uh, to hear such precious things. And they would have loved him and expressed their love for him and fell down in adoration of, of, of the Lord. And uh, uh, what, a, uh, what a joy it would have been to them to spend that day in such a way. And it's the same even for us, isn't it? When we think on these things and the, on the Lord's Day, when we think on, uh, when we use the Lord's Day in such a way, it's such a shame and so sad that people uh, think, well, I, cannot, I only need to spend one hour, two hours, on, uh, and that's enough, and then I can do my own thing. Why are people in such a rush to get, uh, get on with secular work? Is there something wrong spiritually with people? They, have, they find it hard, uh, as we heard on Sunday, they find it hard to spend the whole day in God's house or uh, coming for two meetings. How will they do in heaven? How will they do in heaven uh, when, if they find it so difficult? Or there's an urge to get away and to uh, get into the entertainments of this world. This is our entertainment. This is our entertainment, the Lord, his word, creation, yes, and which reflects his glory and the, our Savior and all that he has done for us, heaven and that world to come, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, and all that God has done in us, and all that God has done for us. Redemption, as we said just, uh, just a minute ago, was for us, for God's glory, but for us in mind. Christ died for us, with us in mind, that we may be saved, that may, we may be rescued, that we may be forgiven all our sins, that we may be with him in glory forever and forever. And so we love him and we also appreciate and we are overwhelmed and feel very deeply privileged at the grace that has been extended to us. So the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made.